This episode may contain content of a graphic nature. Listener discretion is advised. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of Body to Burial. I'm Mariah. And I'm Nikki. We're just two regular true crime junkies who decided it was time to see crime from a new perspective. This is Body to Burial. All right, you ready? You ready for this Monday morning episode? I'm ready. We are going to be talking to a fingerprint examiner. Really? Yes. And I am super, super stoked. His background comes from more, he's like a detective sergeant. Um, He is in Indiana. He had mentioned that he's one of the few left that is actually a police officer, detective sergeant, however you want to say that and a fingerprint examiner, and that now civilians can be fingerprint examiners, which I'm really curious about because, hey, I might like that as a side hustle. And I wonder how he feels about that because I wonder if he feels like that jeopardizes the, the job at all. How's that even possible? Yeah, I, don't, I really don't know. I don't know if they still have to have some sort of like formal four-year degree in like you know, um, a relatable science field to be able to do it. Or if it's literally like I could go apply today. That's you know, so I weird. Know. I don't get how somebody who didn't go to school for that or isn't law enforcement has, like can do the job. I don't get that. Yeah. I don't know. So like we, like I said, we had a super brief conversation, so I don't really know what like, um, the qualifications are of like a civilian to do that. So I'm definitely curious to like talk to him more about that because I do feel like it's such an important part of an investigation and it's like the longest oldest not longest like the oldest way that they um, collect evidence from a crime scene so you would think that there's like no margin for error yeah that's interesting but on that note how about I uh, try to get Juan on the line with us okay sounds good all right let me see if I can grab him Crime scene investigations. Can I help you? Hey, Juan, it's Mariah. Now, still a good time to chat? Sure, sure. It's actually perfect. <laughs> perfect. Excellent. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, tell us your name, what you do, kind of a little bit about who you are. Okay. My name is Detective Sergeant Juan Velasquez. I'm a fingerprint examiner for the Lake County Sheriff's Department in Indiana. I, I am a fingerprint examiner here. I've been doing fingerprint work for approximately over 17 years. And I've been a police officer for over 27 years. So tell me, what is a fingerprint examiner? Because obviously, like, you know, I've watched like CSI and Dexter and all those, you know, fun shows. And I, you know, see the lifting tape and the fingerprint brush. Is that pretty much what that job is? Are you going to crime scenes? Are you working in a lab? Right now, I work at a crime scene unit. As a fingerprint examiner, there are different kinds of fingerprints that I examine. There are three different types that we refer to. Uh, there are plastic prints, which are made by pressing fingers into like fresh paint, soap, clay, putty, tar, wax, and so on. And then there are visible prints, also called patent prints. And v- visible prints are usually uh, materials that are covered with, with fingerprints, such as paint, blood, tar, or dirt. And then there's latent prints, which are normally found at crime scenes. And that's when you need to use uh, special kinds of chemicals or techniques to bring out the impressions so you can have them examined. I also do uh, examination of ink fingerprints. Uh, people who are booked at the jail, uh, they have a set of a pen print, we call, made. 
I examine those as well, along with palm, palm prints as well. So what does like a typical day look like for you when you show up to work? Are you called out to a scene? Are you just picking up prints from like a evidence locker or folder? Like walk me through a typical day. Um, as a fingerprint examiner here, I can be called out to scenes if it requires me. If the evidence technicians at the scenes need help or they have a question, I can go out to a scene. A lot of times they can recover evidence from a crime scene and bring it to me to process using various types of chemicals to try to bring out the impression. Or they can try to process the items there at the scene and bring me the impressions that they recover so I can have them examined, whether through different types of, say, for example, fingerprint lip cards or photography or any other type of method as well. Are fingerprints like, is it, because like on the shows, obviously it's like they very easily pull a full solid fingerprint. I'm assuming that that's pretty rare that most of the time you're getting just like partial prints. Is that a fair assumption? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, on the show, it's like so easy. They're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, many times you may get what's called like a partial print or you may even get smudging or some type of distortion. You can have what's also called overlays where it's multiple impressions over the top. Uh, but you just have to take your time and examine every little ridge, every little uh, ridge flow and try to determine and once you get an impression, you have to determine, is it a fingerprint? Is it a palm print? Is it a footprint? Or is it any kind of print? If you have a partial print and say, like, say this person committed a crime, like, in, you know, 2000, and you, they commit another crime in 2021, and you have that partial print, and then would you still be able to connect that to that person from 20 years ago, 21 years ago, because you have the partial? Yes, as long as there's enough detail in that partial, there has to be enough uh, ridge detail, ridge flow, you know, as long as you can make, determine what exactly you have uh, able to identify. Yes, I currently, I'm working cold cases that we're using. Um, I just worked at least three or four of them in which they recovered new evidence and I was able to do the comparisons of people from cold, cold cases using uh, impressions that were listed over 20 years ago. How does that work with new evidence on something that was 20 years ago? Is that just like they get a, sus a new suspect or? It, it can be. It can be a new suspect or the technology has changed as well. Um, back then, they didn't have what we have today or the person may have never been arrested. There's no fingerprints on, on file where you can do the comparison. How long does like a fingerprint on a door handle or like on a car steering wheel? Is there a time limit for that? As long as it's preserved well, that's the key word, it's preserved. Um, there's cases and stories, I've read articles where they found ancient Egyptian pots with fingerprints still on them because they were preserved well. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, fingerprints are fragile, but they're also strong if, if they're preserved well. So like when I volunteered at my son's school, I had to do like a formal background and I had to go and do like my fingerprints, get them like taken. So are my fingerprints in your system? Do those systems link up or only if I'm a criminal? No, only if you're a criminal, if you've been uh, arrested for a crime. Uh, you would almost think it would be helpful that they all communicate though. To a point, but I, I, I think through, you know, through your rights as well, through privacy, if no crime was committed, <laughs> they may violate your civil rights as well. So, oh, Well, I mean, I'm all for it. If it makes your guys' job easier, you can have my fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll be honest with you, as a fingerprint examiner, we probably don't watch your prints because we have so many other prints to deal with as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, because I remember kind of doing something like that at school. Like when, um, when I, like elementary school, middle school or something where they took your fingerprints. Um, it was like part of like, I don't want to say like dare or something like that, but it was part of like, uh, like a protect kidnapping thing. Like, so say someone gets kidnapped or something, then they have, I think your fingerprints on file. I kind of remember that now that we're talking about fingerprints. Yeah, I actually did it to my own own kids as well. Uh, I would do fingerprints, palm palm prints, and maybe even footprints as well. Is that something you recommend us doing? Because I have children and I've never done that. Um, every parent is different. Um, as for me, though, I, I would um, keep in mind that um, I would do, for my kids, I would do fingers, palms, and feet as well. And I would keep it for myself if anything should happen, you know. You know, God hope not, sure. but uh, there's always a chance, you know. Why the palms? Like, what do you do with the palms? What is, is that part of the, the fingerprinting process? Yes. Uh, in our jail, we've been doing it. We were one of the first ones in our area to do it. We have a database of, of that as well, of palms. Uh, keep in mind, not everybody touches things the same way. Uh, palms uh, can be left at scene just as much, if not even more, than fingerprints. Uh, notice as you leave today, I mean, as you touch things, do you use the tips of your fingers? Something as simple as grabbing a doorknob or pushing a door or you know, you, you tend to leave that palm impression as well. Yeah. Thinking about it, I usually do. I like, I never push a door closed with my fingers. I just, you know, like palm it, like pop it. And palm prints are divided into different sections as well. As a fingerprint examiner, there's actually four, to be honest with you. We divide those palms as well. So when we fingerprint somebody there at the jail, we take a palm impression, a full palm. Are palms unique? Like everyone has a different palm print, just like a fingerprint? Yes, palms are very unique. So are your, so are the feet, uh, the, the soles of your feet. They're very unique. So when you're looking at a print, are there like um, particular identifiers, like markers that you're looking for that help you determine if you're looking at a palm or foot or a finger? Like how do you start determining what part of the body it is? That is the very first thing we do, is, or at least I do, is I determine what exactly is it. Is it a finger? Is it a palm? Or is it a foot? Or is it even a print of all? Um, there's times where people submit things to me and it's not even a finger print or a, a palm or a foot. Um, a lot of the biggest way to do that, I would say, is to look at the ridge flow, the way the ridges flow. And for a fingerprint, you tend to look at what's called the core, which is the center of the print. And then you have what's called the delta if there's a delta. And then you have to look for palms. There's creases, if there's creases in the palm, um, and so on, along with the foot. And is it something you're looking at with, like, your naked eye, or is it, like, a software, or? Um, you could use your eye, but we have what's called a mag- magnifier. It's about uh, different shapes and sizes and different powers, uh, like a three and a half to a four to a five. You can also put it on a screen, what we call a comparator. You can scan it into the computer, zoom in on it, darken it, lighten it, and so on. If you commit a crime and you are booked and all that, and then you do your your fingerprints, is that are you automatically now into this like nationwide database? Are you only in the where you specifically get arrested, the county or? The city. And um, every state is different, I believe. But uh, for the most part, uh, like for ours, 
our jail, they take a uh, fingerprint card. A copy is sent to our jail, one copy is sent to me, and one copy is sent to the state police. Um, if you have a serious crime or you may have what's called an F- FBI number where you've been arrested before, uh, federally or so on, and you could have impressions to them as well. Did you, So you were a police officer before this? Yes. Uh, actually, I, I still am. Oh, okay. So you still are doing, you, but this is like a sub part of... Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just assigned here right now. Um, we're one of the few, uh, I would say, agencies in the area that still have police officers working in their crime scene unit. There are a lot still in the area, but not as much as it was before. A lot of civilians work our units as well and throughout the U.S. So as a civilian that's coming in, they're still doing, do you know what the requirements are for them? Like, is this something that, like, I could just go apply for myself? Like, what are the qualifications? Well, I'm sure you probably prefer to have like some sort of some type of science degree mm-hmm. through college uh, and so on. That would be probably a, a very good start. Um, you would have to try to gain some kind of experience working with smaller departments that you mm-hmm. can move up, you know, mm-hmm. and so on. Is there a lot of like are on a normal day for fingerprinting for you? How is that like 20 come on your like desk if there's that many people? I wish I could show you a picture, but I can't. I, I my office, you'll be amazed at the stuff I have in here. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's very overwhelming. Um, in this area where I work now, in in the county, in this part of the state, there's not many fingerprint examiners, or I should say, court qualified fingerprint examiners as well. It's just a few of us here. What makes so you, you go to court? court? Yeah, what makes you court certified? Well, to be court qualified here, obviously you have to have the experience, you have to have the training. And obviously you have to be uh, accepted in the courts for having that as well. Um, I go through a lot of training. I go to different schools and so on, different conferences for that training. Are you able to get prints off of a body um, that has maybe been exposed to like fire or water? Like how, I guess, because in my initial head, I would think, oh no, because like the first layer of skin is damaged. Um, Is that... Accurate or not accurate? Is there still a way to potentially pull something? Yes, absolutely. I've taken fingerprints off of bodies that were burned. I've taken fingerprints that were underwater as well. There are different methods. Um, For the ones in the fire, um, as the body begins to burn, um, they begin to curl in what they call the pugilistic pose. Mm -hmm. And their wrists begin to curl in and so on. A lot of times the thumb begins to curl in first and then the fingers cover the thumb. So when a body is burned, you, I don't want to gross you out. No, but, you're not. This uh, is fascinating. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as the fingers begin to move in, they cover the thumb. So I just walk in there. I remove the fingers because they're already burnt. Just pull them off, and I have the thumb face because it was covered by by the fingers. Wow. And I can actually either try to get the impression if it's still intact, or I can try to cut the impression out using some type of scalpel as well. Or you can do what's called a casting, which we use microsil, which is a casting we use over the finger to recover a like a putty-like impression of, of the finger. Wow, that's incredible. And that's just a natural way, like that's just what your your hands and joints do. Just that's that's interesting. Yeah, as you look at anything, anything with fire begins to curl in, paper even begins to curl in. The body does the same way. It begins to curl in your fingers, your legs, your whole body. I never would have thought that. 
Do your toes do that as well? I don't know about the toes. I've never examined the toes during during a fire. I've never huh. gotten that far. Oh, well, for, for the water, if they're in the water, their body's bloated. And sometimes during that, uh, they have what's called skin slippage, where the skin begins to slip off. Mm-hmm. during, the, And that can actually be pulled off, placed on your hand, of course, over a glove. And then you can roll the impression off the skin place ink on the skin and then roll it on a sheet of paper or whatever to, to get the impression. What do you, what do you think is like the miss, the biggest misconception with your job or like a question you get asked all the time that you're like, no, that's just not how we do things. Well, we always have a joke here at the office. Uh, they call it, I think they call it the CSI effect. They call it or something okay. like that where people think, well, we don't refer to that here. We refer to it as the CSI effect. CSI. <laughs> Cause it's always like, yeah, that's not how it works. But I think the biggest <laughs> misconception with my job, with fingerprints, is everybody I've ever spoken to, I, well, I shouldn't say everybody, the majority of the people that I speak to don't really understand the concept of how the surface can play a role on the type of impression you're trying to recover. Like, there are certain surfaces that just won't yield any kind of print. Like what? Um, you know, like a rock can be very difficult to recover a print. Um, it just depends. There's a lot of factors that go into place. When you try to process something for a print, um, the surface is one. Also, how much oil and water the person can sweat. They can leave some type of debris on there to try to help the impression. How the impression is preserved, for example, honestly, if it's raining or snowing, it might damage the print. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors to that, you know. But I, I have, I'll be honest with you. I went to a training class, and I was able to recover a fingerprint off a feather. What? Yes, and I was able to recover a fingerprint off a piece of chewing gum. Really? Yeah, but then there are some days where I can't recover prints off of anything. <laughs> so, That's got to be so frustrating because in the back of my head, I'd be like, I literally pulled a print off a feather. Like, why can't I get it off Well, this? there are also a lot of factors that you won't. Uh, for example, what if the suspect wipes the, the, the item? You don't really know if they mm-hmm. did or not. So, mm-hmm. Or they're wearing gloves, for example, and they, they won't leave any kind of impressions as well. What technique do you use the least to pull prints? Well, if it's, if it's very expensive, <laughs> the type of chemical, or if there's a short shelf life for the chemical, I probably won't use it. Okay. Um, for the most part, just something as simple as black powder is good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different kinds of powders as well. Is there a favorite technique you like to use? Like if money was not something you had to worry about, is there one that you're always like, ooh, I get to use this technique. I'm super excited. It just depends on the surface. Uh, the surface will determine what kind of uh, technique I'm going to use. Um, the most common technique is powder. So say, for example, you give me a piece of paper. You know, I would probably use a, a chemical called ninhydrin, which reacts with the amino acids left on, on your fingerprint, and it turns, turns the fingerprint purple. Hmm. I would use that. For, you know, it, like I said, each item will determine the kind of method you use. Just when you use them in hydrogen, just be careful. You don't uh, scratch yourself if you have an itch, but you'll have purple spots all over your face. <laughs> I'm not the one who did it, but there's somebody came out of the back one day, and I'm like, you were messing with that in hydrogen. How did you know? Because you were picking your nose, dude. Your nose is purple. <laughs> oh I'm like, a ladder, you were doing, I mean, I, so remember, when you work with stuff, you wear gloves for a reason. You have to be careful. So. Yeah, that's funny. Do your kids, do they get excited when you, do they know like what you do? Do they, I mean, I'm assuming. They do, but they're both in college with their own careers and lives, I guess. They're, you know. Okay. 
I'm just dead. Now, do they want to get into following your footsteps and get into? No, like- no, they're they're living their own lives right now. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but I guess every kid, my yeah. kids don't want to do it. I should say kids; they're actually adults now. <laughs> yeah, they'll always be your kid. How do you think technology will change your field? Like, do you see like big changes make being made in the next ten years, or has like the? Yeah. Oh yeah. I could tell you for sure because uh, I've been doing this for over 17 years and I'm already seeing the technology improve now. It's blowing me away. Uh, 10 years from now, this is going to be, there's going to be stuff out there that probably won't require some type of touch. It'll just be like a, a laser scanner. that will just shoot a laser to, you know, try to recover prints. Who knows? I mean, I'm just guessing here, but I mean, yeah, it's, sure. it's moving so fast. So, so fast now. I, trying to keep up with it, you know, and that's why I have to go to training to keep up with that training. How long does it take to process a fingerprint? Do some of the techniques take like days or hours? It depends. I mean, some there's times where I can pull up a fingerprint using a method within a few seconds. Wow. Other times it may, it may take several hours. Um, you know, you may only have one shot at trying to recover the impression, so you have mm-hmm. to be very careful with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other ways to preserve it to make sure that you, you do the best you can. Uh, the biggest thing I always say is if you do recover a print, you take a picture of it as well. Um, say, like, if I process an item and there's a print, I'll take a photo of it first with a scale. And then I'll use a method, whether lifting it with tape or any other method, to try to pull it off. Or I could just leave it there and make that the list itself. I feel like your job is very stressful. Like, I feel like, especially knowing, okay, I have one shot to do this, and if I mess it up. <laughs> I don't know if you saw my photo on the thing. I, I'm, I'm bald now, but I, I was never bald, so. How do you, like, how do you separate at home? Like, because I, I feel like I would be going home, and I would be thinking about these things, and, like, does your wife, do you, do you go home and, like, run through what you're, like, I had to go down to the morgue today, and I had to take these prints. Like, do you uh, verbalize it with her or do you deal with it by just not talking about it? What I usually do, and this is the best advice I can give, is never bring your work home with you. That's the best thing to say because um, keep in mind when you go to work, it's different from when you go home. Mm-hmm. You are you are a different person. You act differently. You work differently. So when I go to work, um, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is all, all I do. Seven of the eight hours, I'm doing this because I have a one-hour lunch. But then when I go home, it's like I I take off the hat and now I'm the husband, I'm the father, you know, I'm the brother or, you know, the mother, the sister, whatever. You're that person. There's no need for you to be that other person again. You make that sound so simple. I feel like that would be such a challenge. for (laughs) Like, I'm such a curious person by nature. I feel like I would be laying in bed, like replaying everything I did in the lab that day. There, there are, but, you know, I don't try to bring my family into it. They don't need to know that. They don't need to know about the, you know, the, the worst cases about that. And there's yeah. times where they'll see it on, on the news sure. or in the newspaper. And they'll ask, hey, what happened? I'm going to go, oh, someone died. Yeah. Well, how? I, I don't know. Until I go to court, I, I won't know. I just don't oh. want to expose them to that, you know? How do you feel like working and being exposed to what you're being exposed to? Do you feel like that has, like, eased or maybe solidified a fear of death and dying for yourself? Um, it's funny. I was just thinking about that maybe about two or three months ago. After what I'm seeing, I'm not really afraid of dying, I guess. I'm not really afraid of dying. I'm more afraid of 
failing of not finding stuff. That's I want to do the best I can. So I, I really, and people will tell you, I push myself to the limit. I will work overtime. I will do whatever I can to try to find something. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to remain in, impartial and fair about it. But I've worked cases not only to help prosecute people, but I've worked cases to help clear people as well. That's got to be extremely rewarding. Oh, it is. It is. And it feels like a, like a tug of war. It's like you're getting pulled on one side, you're getting pulled on the other. And the best way I can say it is I will provide to you the facts of the case and whatever you want to do with those facts, that's up to both, both of you. So. Have you ever had to clear someone that's been in jail for a long period of time? Like new evidence has come out or like say they committed a crime in like 1972 and then now fingerprinting, you can clear them or whatever. I wouldn't say a long time. Um, the one I remember the most, uh, there's a case where uh, a soldier had just came back from the war overseas. And as soon as he came home, they had a warrant for his arrest, which didn't make sense because he was overseas. How could he have committed this, this crime? So to make a long story short, his attorney called me and he brought him in and I fingerprinted him. And I looked at the arrest of the time where the warrant was filed. It was for something small like driving while intoxicated. But it was impossible because he was overseas. And I compared his fingerprints to the, to the arrest and I determined it was not him. So I did a little investigating and I got a booking photo of when the person was arrested and I showed it to him. I said, do you know who this person is? He goes, yeah, that's my brother. It was his brother used his name when he got arrested. Oh, my God. Really? So they they don't. <laughs> that's so crazy to me that. Well, imagine if you get arrested, you get arrested and you, you lie about your name. You say you're John Smith. Well, I'm Joe, Joe Smith. And you kind of look like because you're your brothers, but it just shows you how much he loved his brother, I guess. What about is there family like me and my brother? Would we have similar like, um, like obviously not the same fingerprint, but would they be similar or they're just, everyone is completely different whether you're related or not? They can be uh, similar. I, identical twins are different, but there are the same, say, for example, you can have the same pattern types like loops and arches and world and the same fingers, but it's those little details inside those fingers that make it different. Hmm. I didn't even think about identical twins. I would think that it would be I just had one last last week. Uh, the two brothers were using each, each other's name, and there was six arrests, and I had to separate the liars from the truth. So. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. That's of course, crazy. I, we, we were able to determine quickly because this, one, one of the fingers was completely different. So, But uh, I know why the brother did it because his crime was a lot worse than the other brothers. But yeah. When you're processing a crime scene, um and you get called down to go, and let's say that there is a body there, are you processing the body prints there, or do you do that at the morgue? Like, what prints are you taking? Are you just taking prints around the crime scene and dealing with the body later, or do you do all of that at once? Um, If I do get called out, which is rare, um, a lot of times it's because the evidence technicians require a different kind of method that they're not familiar with to try to recover the prints. Okay. Um, I... The last time I went, I was able to recover fingerprints off a door, um, bloody fingerprints off a door using a different method, and I was able to have it recovered. Um, as for the body, I usually wait till it comes down to the morgue. The only thing I'm trying to recover are their fingerprint impressions to see who they are, mm-hmm. but that can be done at the morgue. When 
they're going to move the body to the morgue because you're going to do your prints there. Do they cover the hands with any sort of like baggy or anything to protect it? Yeah. Uh, if they move the body, they're going to try to preserve as much as they can. They make they will cover the hands if they're going to do, say, for example, like nail scrapings or nail clippings uh, or anything like that. So a lot of times what they'll do is they'll take the evidence from the body first before I go and fingerprint the body. Fingerprinting the body is one of the last things because evidence is more important. Mm -hmm. There there could be evidence under the fingernails and the mouth and so on. What about surfaces like carpet? Like you wouldn't be able to, can you leave fingerprints on carpet? I've never seen it. Uh, If you suspect it, I guess you could probably swab it for DNA. That would be my uh, recommendation. Okay. But yeah, there's not like, there's some surfaces and some things that you can't get a fingerprint. Well, if it's cloth, it's going to be very difficult to recover prints on cloth. I mean, Nikki, he did pull a print off a feather, so he could probably figure out something. Well, that's what I was thinking. Well, I, <laughs> I, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, a feather is... There's actually, a, I have it here, actually, as we're speaking. There, there was a training class where they had us do it. I didn't think it, it was, it was going to work, but if you research it, I think, I'm sure other people have had the same class where we recovered the fingerprint or the feather, the fingerprint off of the feather. Yeah, you would think that certain surfaces, like I would think for sure a feather would be not a place you could pull a print from. And I always say that if, if when in doubt, print it out. Just do it. You yeah. never know what you're going to get. I've gotten with some of the most strangest places you would never think. Something so simple, so small, that turned out to be some of the best uh, prints that I've ever gotten. Like what? Tell us. The last one I could think of was a partially torn condom wrapper. Wow. I was able to get a fingerprint impression off of that. Wow. Because I think, <laughs> I, I, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's glamorous. <laughs> so it was, I guess they tore, they took, they threw the wrapper away, but that part that they tore off is what they used. And I was able to process it and recover a, a fingerprint. So when you show up at a crime scene, like really anything and everything could have a print on it. So where do you begin deciding, okay, I'm going to check this, or are you literally checking wall to ceiling everywhere? I always, I always recommend to the evidence technicians that are there, look for areas that might have been dis- dis- disturbed, something that might have been touched. Uh, obviously, if the phone's off the hook, that was probably touched. Mm-hmm. If a vase is knocked, knocked over, that probably was touched. So you look for items that might have been moved or you know touched. Okay. Like a light switch. So where was or... this condom wrapper? Was it on the floor or in a trash can or? Um, let me think. Might have been in, inside the vehicle. Really? Okay. <laughs> I'm just very curious now because I feel like I would wow. be overwhelmed when I showed up at my job. Are you very curious or very concerned? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know that I can, you know, make myself. Hopefully not I'm both. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to give myself away. I would think like when you go places and you just see like when on like when you're off work, you're done with work and like you see fingerprints like on like we were just talking about that. I I always get in trouble. I see things differently now. Unfortunately, like we'll go somewhere and they'll see something and they're like, oh, did you see this? I'm like, yes. But did you see this little scratch over here? I, and like, yeah. no, I never even saw. I'm like, yeah, I, I look at things different, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, I have a random question. But what about like with COVID and like the fact that like, let's say a crime happens in a public place and everybody's been like Lysol wiping everything down. Do those chemicals break down the fingerprints or like smear them? Like, so, so COVID's kind of a bummer for you guys, potentially. 
pretty much. I mean, unless the suspect leaves their mask, then we have something, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> go, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it is, um, you know, you're dealing with uh, alcohol wipes and sanitizers. I mean, yeah, that's definitely a, can put a hamper. And then you had mentioned, again, this is just my curious mind going, but you had said that if, like, the fingerprints are preserved that for a long period of time, so, like, if, I'm just going to put this on Nikki. If Nikki's around driving her car, she commits a crime. It takes a while to like, you know, catch her in this other vehicle. But the car had just been sitting in a garage. Like that's well preserved. Like, what do you mean, I guess, in terms of like preserving it? Like what can't come into like interact with it? Well, the surface has to be not disturbed for one. Um, The weather can also play a hamper on it as well. If it rains or snow. You're trying to, you want to recover that print as quick as possible because that can disturb the surface. Okay. So just kind of any, so like if she brushed against the steering wheel with her sweater, like that, it, that could have caused a problem. Yeah. Because since fingerprints are mostly comprised of oils and waters, uh, they can be very fragile. So. Hmm. And I mean, as you go, when you're at home, look at your mirror. I mean, if you simply look at your mirror and then blow into your mirror, you might be able to see uh, a fingerprint impressions on there because of the moisture that you produce onto the glass, it can actually, any type of surface that was touched, the moisture can enhance it. When you see like in the shows, criminals are like wiping everything down. Like are prints hard to come by at crime scenes? Because I would imagine if I'm a criminal, even if I'm a dumb criminal, I know to like try to wipe stuff down. I wouldn't say they're hard. It's just, they're not as perfect as what you see on TV. Sure. No one's going to leave that perfectly straight fingerprint without any twisting or distortion. Or as you turn a doorknob, it's going to be a perfect print. You know, it's, that's not how it works. Yeah. I always laugh when I see that. But also when people are trying to sell their products, look, this product produced a print. And I'm like, well, get the item from the garbage can and cross-process it from there. Because that's going to be a true print, not mm-hmm. a print that was created. Mm. Is that what you're getting evidence from, too? Is like, say they collect, like a can from the suspect's trash can, and then you are trying to process it off the can? I don't know about the trash can. I know inside vehicles, I process glasses and cans and bottles, and I've gotten really good results from that. Those are really good items to process. They usually swab the the, the tip of the bottle for uh, DNA, and then they have me process it for prints, so it's like a double whammy. It also makes your job... Like in the movies or like in TV shows, it makes your job seem like it's the quickest part of the whole process. Like, oh, got his fingerprint. It's, you know, so-and-so. And then it's done. And then that's just what, like going into this is what I thought, you know, oh, they solve it really quick. They just pop it into the computer and then there goes the... Oh, no. <laughs> well, they, they only have an hour to solve the crime. Yeah, so they you have- say, you, you, don't do your, you don't solve your crimes in 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> one one case I spent nine nine hours for two fingerprints. Just oh to, my gosh! Um, yeah, that's that's how long it took. It took me just for two because I wanted to do everything perfect, make sure everything was right. How long is that? Like a case that you're so from start to finish, it gets on a file is on your desk to when you solve it could be just like is that a whole day? Um, no, longer than that. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> um, I usually. I have a board on my wall and you can't see it, but there's case numbers, the type of crime and how long the case has been here. 
So I get an idea when I come in the morning. I know, okay, this case has been here too long or this case is going to trial. I have to work on these cases first. But then as you're doing that, something else might come in that's really important, that they need results quick, you know. So you just got to keep working through it. How often do you find out, like, what happened? Like, after you've submitted your, you've done your examinations and you've kind of moved on, do you ever hear back at, like, oh, hey, this one came back and we got it and case closed? Or do you just not really ever hear? Usually when I, you know, when I work a case, I submit the reports to the prosecutor's office. And then sometimes I go to court and, and I testify to those cases. And afterwards, they'll call me back and tell me thank you or, you know, or so on, you know, or uh, congratulations, you did good. Or, yeah, it just depends. Nikki, do you have any more questions? Not really. There's a lot of information that I had no clue about that is more intricate and than I ever thought possible. Yeah, I would say thank you so much for, you know, chatting with us and answering our questions. And I know that they're very um, silly based on our limited knowledge, but we really appreciate you talking to us and bringing, breaking it all down. Yeah, thank you. The, the only thing I wanted to share with you is just recently uh, they discovered that there's unique characteristics, not only in your palms, fingers, and uh, feet, but also, they just discovered your your lips are unique. You you have impressions on your lips that are unique, the wrinkles and so on, and also your wrists and your knees. And now discovering that there is unique uniqueness, I guess, in those items as well. So pretty soon in, in the future, you might have people who are lip impression or lip uh, uh, comparisons and wrist comparisons and elbow and so on. Wow! Because there are wrinkles and creases throughout your whole body that make it unique. Yeah. I'm like seriously been staring at my hands the whole time we've been having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like when did they start using, I have one quick question. When did they start using fingerprinting? Like realizing that fingerprinting is a tool to solve crimes or to identify people. That goes way, way back. Like in the eight, 1800s, it first came to the Americas like in 1910 during the world's fair. As far as I know, but prior to that, they were it was used in foreign countries. I mean, when you say identifying, that's different because people use them for other reasons. Like in China, they used them to put fingerprints on on deeds to say that the person um, sold their land and so on. But they didn't determine that it was used for ident- identifications for until a long time. It dates back until the 1800s. I mean, before fingerprinting, about 1853. There was a guy by the name of Alphonse Bertillion. He used an instrument to measure body parts, and that was the way they identified people prior to fingerprints. It was in there was a case called the William West case that ruined his, um, I guess, his method in which they had two people with the same name with the same identifying shapes of body parts came. And then I think it was not until Henry Falls in 1880, he actually published a book about how fingerprints are unique, but there's so many people involved. Henry Fold, Sir Francis Galton, Sir Richard, Sir Richard Henry, John Ferrier. There's, there's just so many people involved in this. That's cool. I like history. So any th- sort of history, whether it's fingerprinting or wars or whatever, I find very fascinating. The first case ever used in the history was in Argentina in which a fingerprint impression was compared of a woman who killed her child. That was a, and his name was Juan Zasicic, I think. What year was that? 
Oh, I have to think. I remember that case because that was pretty disturbing. Um, 1892, Argentine police official, yeah. Wow. See, I love stuff like that. All right, Maria, do you want to do this, silly? Yeah, let's close out with questions. This part is just kind of like fun and relaxed. I will ask you the one that we ask all of our guests. What song would be the perfect theme song for your job? <laughs> uh, which one isn't, I guess? <laughs> um, Simple Man, I guess. Ooh. What is one of your hobbies? I guess one of the hobbies that helps me relax from this, and I never told this to anybody, is probably I... I like to go fishing and I go far away into a cabin away from everybody. And I just go fishing on a boat for a week. I do it for every year for about over 20 years now. I actually go with another person or two other workers from here. We go near the uh, Canadian border, just inside of Minnesota. And we are there for a week. That would be nice and relaxing. Yeah. Until you see bears and then you run. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've got another one. Um, if you could provide your services on any crime case, past or present, which one would you have liked to work on? Oh, God, that's, man, that's a deep question. I never even thought about that. I would say the Benet Ramsey case. Yeah. I we, would love to work that. Yeah, I would, I would love to process and examine the prints on that case. That would be a good one. If you were at a dinner party, what would you tell people that is your job, but isn't your job? I always tell it, and I do this a lot. My wife gets mad at me. I say, I, I work in an office. That's all I say. <laughs> I love it. What kind of office? Oh, just a boring office. And I do Paperwork. this all the time. Yeah, that's all I do. She's, she's pretty good. My wife's pretty good about it. She's, she respects it now. Before she used to get so mad. Now it's like, you know, I just don't want to talk about it. Is there a certain smell that you associate with your job? Oh, yeah. Uh, bleach. Bleach. Yes. Because when I go down to the corners for the morgue, they're always bleaching everything. And every time I smell it, I always think of corpses now. Oh, that's awful. Well, there goes those like sparkling clean bathrooms. Now they're like tainted with death. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's, that's the hardest part. When I go to a bathroom, I'm thinking, okay, someone died here. Oh, God. (laughs) And I like the smell of bleach. Not anymore, Nikki. Not anymore, you don't. And gasoline. I don't know why. Uh, gasoline? You are a sick person. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I got nothing for that. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. I will answer for him. That is very weird. He's very concerned that he agreed to talk to us. You don't like sneak into your bathroom and garage and like try to sniff this stuff, right? <laughs> no, I don't try to sniff it. But if I'm pumping gas, I'm like, oh, I'm getting gas. <laughs> or if I'm doing laundry and I put the bleach in, I'm like, oh, I like that smell. <laughs> you can't see me right now, but I'm I'm actually making notes. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah! Now he's gonna take prints off our mic kit we sent him and be like, oh, "I gotta keep track of this lady." Yeah, you can run it, no problem. I will wipe it down, though. You can be sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> what would you be embarrassed to admit that you hoard? Man, I don't really. I'm I'm the opposite of hoard. I tend to throw <laughs> stuff away. I'm terrible about that. I will go in a room and start throwing stuff away. I I don't like clutter. I am like the cleanest person here in the office. I throw stuff away. I like to have space. Do you keep anything from your cases, like little mementos? Serial killers keep mementos. I don't <laughs> keep mementos. <laughs> okay, that's fair. 
Oh, well, this was so fun. Thank you so much. We had such a good time with yeah, you. And thank I learned you. so much. Thanks for talking with us. All right. Bye, ladies. Bye. bye. I love him. No, I really liked him. I learned so much. I mean, the feather baffles me. Like I never in a million years. Yeah, that surface. There's a lot more to his job than I even realized could be like part of his job. Right. Like all the external factors of like the different surfaces and then which Mm -hmm. technique to use. Because literally on TV, all you see is a little powder brush and Mm -hmm. the, the tape. Who knew that there was all these like different ways to like smoke a printout? Yeah. And even on a fire victim. Yeah, that was interesting. I've heard that before of where I forget, like I've heard it referenced as like um, like a fighter stance because it almost looks like they're boxing because they're mm-hmm. everything like turns in. I've heard that before. Um, but I didn't think about how he said that they, I'm doing it with my hand right now, how your fingers cover your thumb. But yeah, it is like tucked in there and like protected. Yeah, you would think that like your thumb, like because it's curling in, your thumb has nowhere to go but in and then your other fingers go on top of it. Yeah, cuz like if you do that, if you make that fist, like your thumb is perfectly covered. So, when you prize your fingers open, I can't do it with my right hand because I just sliced my my palm right where my thumb is trying to mm-hmm. open up a package with my scissors. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, you know, I guess now you won't be able to leave a full palm print anywhere. It'll be no. a little bit unidentifiable. Well, there you go. Not on my bleach and my gasoline can. Oh, my God. <laughs> I cannot believe you like those smells. I hate the smell of gasoline. There is a lot of people that like gasoline smell are, and the Wyatt bleach loves smell. it. Wyatt loves gasoline. So Thank you. That would have been nice for you to you. say to him. You didn't like me saying like, oh, my God. So I, I looked a less, less serial killer-ish, but and I also I like mean, the smell of Disneyland water. I like, love Disneyland water. It's kind of like yes. chemically and like musty. Yes. Yeah, I love it. But speaking of that, think about how many prints are in those places. How do you solve that? That's a great question to ask him. In like a popular area, what if you have like a print on top of a print and the prints have mixed together? Mm-hmm. Can I get the print underneath? That would have been a good question to ask. Or are we just one together? We should have asked that one. We should have asked that one. Yeah, Uh, we might have to call him back. He was a great one. Yeah, he is really great. I didn't realize there was so much like to his job, like the morgue part. I never really thought he left other than like a booking place like you see on TV. I thought, okay, so he could either be the person that goes to crime scenes or the person in the lab that's like looking at the print through the microscope. But it's Interesting that he's like all of those people. And it's interesting to me that he would go to the morgue only because really of his expertise, because they are qualified to pull prints, but he's been doing this for so long that he's probably extremely good at his job that they bring him down to do it, which I think is interesting. But that's why I find it weird that like a civilian could do it. I guess like civilian. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that we should clear that up because I guess like when he's talking in terms of civilian, he's talking in terms of a non-police officer, but it still sounds like you have to go through like very extensive training and school to do what he Mm -hmm. does. It's not like I could just show up and be like, I'm going to start taking prints. Because that's what I thought at first when I was like, oh, like I can just go down to the. The right, station, like a little start fingerprinting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think 
I think what he means is somebody that isn't in the police department, but has still gone through excessive training and, yeah, you know, experience. And has like a college degree and like yes. Yes. that whole. Because I mean, if they were just letting moms in off the street, I'd be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> be like, look, you can even put me on call. I'll do crime scenes all night long. Yeah. Yeah. That was although interesting. The kids, although the kids are rough. I agree with you. 80, 85 plus is a good range for me. I might be, I might be able to handle 40s, but below like uh, 25 is a little, I, I don't think I could stomach it. Because my dad's 70, so no. So 75 and above, 80 would be ideal for me, 85. Any sort of crime scene, anything is 85 and above for me. I feel like me. I could handle like 30s. I feel like for Ooh. me, it's definitely like kids and... But I guess here's the caveat, because if the victim is a 30-year-old mom, oof, that's going to tear me up, you know? So it's like I couldn't know the backstory. I would just like, I couldn't know. Like they need to be a 30-year-old with no life and no Right, friends. just like lives <laughs> in the camper off the grid. <laughs> Speaking of living off the grid, I was very relieved using your phone. And I knew I was like, Oh, she's going to tell Ryan and he's going to feel so good that his yes. is not going anywhere. Yeah. But who knows? I don't think he even knew if that was true or not. You should ask him since he's so concerned about living off the grid. If he's ever thought about that. Oh, he would never No, He would never do the fingerprint because even on my, when I got my new laptop, it has like that little fingerprint thing in the option in the corner. Yeah, the top to right. turn it on and off. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no. Mm-mm. Nope. You're not. I, do I would never do that. Never. I do it. No, it's so he, great. Quick little click. You're in. <laughs> no, he types in the code because if you do the fingerprint and he will never do face identification, nothing. Nope. Oh, it's great. I will say, though, the phone thing in the fingerprints is an interesting thing because I did read a case about there was like a time frame question about her death has been ruled a suicide, but the parents firmly believe that it was not a suicide. And they're calling into question the time in which a text message was sent because it kind of conflicts with her time of death, her official time of death. And so they think someone used her finger to get into her phone. So, I mean, there is that caveat that like, you don't have to be alive for someone to get into your phone. Mm-hmm. Just you don't. Push that, push that finger down, you're good to go. And now they have like the face recognition, which freaks me out. Actually, I don't have that activated on my phone. See, I just, I love all, I love all the quick stuff. Like when I don't have to like log into my things, love it. No, that actually does freak me out a little bit. The face recognition. I don't know why. I don't remember what movie it is, but like, you know, you scan the eyeball and then like you get in. Yeah. No, that one's a little too Terminator for me. Can we circle back about how we're mom failing and not fingerprinting our kids? (laughs) I didn't even think about it. Being as obsessed with crime as I am, I'm really kind of sad that I disappointed my kids and have let them down and I'm not keeping them safe by not fingerprinting them. That is genius, though, when you really do think about it, because it's really cost effective. It's very cheap to go get an ink pad and a piece of paper and to just have that in your we have like a fireproof safe with like all our birth certificates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And just have that in there. I would have never have thought. And your feet. Never would have thought the feet. But I also, okay, let's talk about this for a second because I'm curious what your opinion is. You know, when you're born and they take, they do do your feet print and your fingerprints mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Um, or even 
older when I volunteered at the kids' school and I had to go get my fingerprint scanned, I am totally fine with that going into some sort of like universal database. Like I don't feel like that is like imposing on my rights as a human. Do you feel like that that's an overstep? No, because I'm not a criminal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think like, obviously if you're a criminal or anything like that, maybe they but think like, differently. Let's say tomorrow they started saying every child that was born in the United States, their prints are going to be taken and put into a database. Um, no questions asked. I probably could care less because I'm like, if you have nothing to hide. Yeah. I don't feel like that's a big deal, but then I am curious about how he said, then the system is bogged down, but I feel like it would be like a good library. Like everybody on the planet's on there. But then what happens if it gets hacked and then somebody takes my kids or my, my, you know, fingerprint and then recreates it somehow. And then now I've committed a crime. Yeah. There you go. Okay. And I really good, didn't commit a crime. That's a good, good. So point, I was trying to point. think of like what Ryan would think about it. And I feel like that's what he would think. Okay. I mean, I could be wrong. I got to ask him. No, I feel like that's a fair, a fair leap. I mean, if you think about it in those terms, what happens if someone can steal that now and can recreate it somehow? And then that's now a problem for you or my child. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. I guess I still wouldn't care enough. I'd be like, fine, put me in the system. <laughs> but I don't you know, want to go to jail for a crime that it. somebody else committed. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but I guess the likelihood of that happening is like fairly slim. Um, I never thought that I would be opening my phone with my face. So Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I feel like give it 20 years and anything could be possible. And like he said, right? like, think about what's going to be possible for his profession. Like you could just like scan a wall and it like grabs everything you need. I didn't know that they did that for work companies. Yeah. That was interesting to me because I can yeah. tell you like right high now. profile security buildings. Well, even yeah, at like, I don't know about when our boys um, obviously went to preschool together and our preschool didn't have this, but my nephew is in preschool. And when I go pick him up from school to unlock the door to get into the school, I have to scan my thumbprint. What? Yeah. And it unlocks really? the door. Uh-huh. See, if someone stole your fingerprint, they can do that. And then- yeah, I guess they could go get, go get my nephew. There you go. See? It would be problematic for sure. But that would freak me out. Because there are some things that I think about that- Obviously, technology is good, but there's some things that are a little too Terminator for me. Mm-hmm. Makes me a little nervous. Fair enough. Fair enough. Skynet's coming. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We do encourage you to follow us at Instagram at Body to Burial. Hit us up on Twitter at Body to Burial. And you guessed it, you can send us an email to hello at bodytoburial.com. If you have any guest suggestions, just let us know. Please hit the subscribe button or follow button on whatever app you are listening to. Thanks so much, guys. See you next time.